Welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast, episode 72. Now, before I tell you about my guests, who I'm really looking forward to speaking to, I want to just make sure you know how you can support and listen to the Fertility Podcast. If you found it on iTunes, do subscribe. You can also leave a review if you like. If you found it online at thefertilitypodcast.com, you can leave me your email so I can keep you up to date with all the latest episodes and maybe share with you some previous episodes or you can just have a look around it for yourself. You can support The Fertility Podcast by becoming a patron and that means you help make the magic happen. I make this podcast out of pure passion for this subject matter. Two years ago, we had fertility treatment and this week... In March 2017, our little boy is turning two. And I decided that I wanted to give a voice to what seemed to be a taboo issue and in some regards still is, even though I know we're talking about it more. You'll be here because you've probably found your route to parenthood hasn't been as straightforward as you'd hoped and you're looking for answers, you're looking for support. You're probably hoping to feel less alone. Well, you're in the right place. Hopefully you'll find you're in good company. And I'm about to share with you a chat I have with two ladies who have set up another place of support so with my podcast and with what these ladies are about to tell you about it's one giant cuddle for you whilst you're on this bizarre journey to try and start a family that isn't at all what you were led to believe growing up so I really hope this is of interest and I'll tell you all about how you can find out more about what we discussed at the end of the episode so keep going to the end and uh, I'll share it all on the show notes I have two ladies who I've kind of been stalking a little bit since I discovered them on Twitter, Tracy Bambra and Sarah Marshall-Page, who have co-founded IVF Babble. Now, you may have found this online, you might not yet. If not, it's a brilliant resource for you if you're going through fertility treatment and the ladies are going to tell you all about their decision to make it happen. So I'm going to welcome Tracy first. Well, welcome to both of you first, ladies. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Um Tracy, if you want to start, because I know you've both got a fertility journey to share, tell me what kind of led you to this place that you're at now with the launch of IVF Babble. Well, there were quite a few times over the years where I sort of suffered miscarriages and throughout my life since I sort of started having periods, as it were, I've always been in total agony and I've spoken to doctors and gynes and no one seemed to come up with anything as to what it could be. My doctor in my late 30s, early 40s, said, I think you've got endometriosis, but recommended me to see someone. Again, it wasn't sort of followed through. So when I was in my early 40s, I sort of collapsed on the floor one day and my husband rushed me to hospital and had an ectopic pregnancy. At that point, I sort of left the hospital four days later and for the next two or three years, I had a terrible pain in my lower left. I've seen other doctors and gynas and sometimes are told it's wear and tear, it's your age etc and then just by chance someone recommended me see a specific consultant who I did and he said actually I think you've got a blocked tube which is causing that pain and I think you've got some endometriosis which might be causing your issues and maybe even miscarriages so I had a laparoscopy that was cleared up and amazingly a couple of years later uh, which was our second go at IVF the first go which I'd missed out actually earlier didn't work so the second go went back to consultants and I said this is a last ditch attempt I'm the age I am you know I know it's really low chance in getting pregnant. How old were you at this point? 48. Right. (laughs) 
well, actually 47, it was 48 when I got pregnant. But basically, he took me through all the tests, checked my endometriosis, was quite happy to go ahead with what they'd removed before. And he checked my thyroid and he said, your thyroid, you've got an underactive thyroid, which can cause infertility. It needs to be between 1 and 2.5. I don't really understand the point system, but... Mine was 4.5, and he said, so that needs to be brought down. So IVF was delayed while they did that. And then he did a scan, histri- histri- I can never say this, hysterostalpingogram. He discovered that I had a lump in my uterus, and I had no symptoms with it. And so he said, before we can go ahead with anything, we need to check that. So he did, and it was a polyp. And he also did a DNC while he was removing it. Um, and consequently, about sort of three months later, I did the IVF with 2% chance of getting pregnant, and I fell pregnant with twins. Wow. My upset was, well, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of total, it is what it is, and I ended up with the most amazing children, which are miracles, and I'm so blessed. But what's quite sad <laughs> is that um, all those years before, when I'd had quite a few miscarriages, no one had actually detected the fact that I did have endometriosis, that I had a thyroid problem, that I did have other issues, I did have a blocked tube. No one followed up after the ectopic pregnancy. And I just suddenly thought one day, through my pregnancy, I thought, actually, we, we really need to sort of get out, get this information out there. It's really important. There's so many other women that wouldn't have a clue, that maybe don't go and see their doctors, that have just thought everything they're suffering each month or you know, it's like irregularities are normal and they're not. That's my story, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's so many things there to, to, to pick up on, and I'm 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 probably going to be putting this episode out during Endometriosis Awareness Week. And interestingly, I spoke to another lady who just took it took nine years for them to diagnose. So just that point of your journey in itself, the lack of what it seems understanding from the medical profession with the different symptoms that endometriosis presents. Well, as far as the endometriosis concerns, basically, had my first period when I was about ten. And from 10 right up until now, uh, although it's better since I've had the babies, I literally almost roll around in agony for about two or, two or three hours, even a day sometimes, because of the endometriosis. And I thought that was normal. I thought other people got that. I didn't really discuss it. And strangely, my mum used to have the same. But in those days, it probably wasn't even something that they would even know about or knew about at the time. I don't know whether she had it, but certainly I just thought it was normal. It was part of the thing that women go through. And even now, it seems that it's affecting one in ten women and and there's such a lack of understanding. There really is. And women don't generally talk to each other about this stuff. And, you know, there's so much that we just want to put out there because of this endometriosis scenario, the thyroid issues, all of the other bits and bobs that go with it. It's imperative that people do actually sort of understand and realise that the fertility issue is huge in the yeah. world. Well, let's bring in Sarah and then we'll, we'll talk about what you're doing to combat this issue that uh, there is with such a gap in people's understanding and awareness. So, Sarah, I, I know as well that your your involvement with what the, the pair of you have set up is from not the most straightforward route to parenthood. Do you want to tell me what, what went on with you? Yeah, well, actually, I think one of the major things for me was naivety. I just assumed that I could get pregnant And um, at the time, I was 32, and I had just got married. My husband, at the time, was in a band, bass player in a band, and he'd been on tour for the whole year, just 
you know, living life to the excess, <laughs> as I was too. And um, I didn't really think about any of the issues that could sort of hinder getting pregnant. And, uh, and I remember sending him a text saying, as soon as you get back off tour, could we have a baby, please? <laughs> How wrong that was. Four years later, after much fertility treatment, we, we did get there. But went to the doctor and just said, look, this isn't happening. And they said, well, you have polycystic ovaries and your husband's sperm is not great. So I started off with a couple of rounds of IUI that were unsuccessful, which was a complete waste of time. Then a round of IVF that didn't work. And then finally they said, OK, we'll try ICSI now, which in hindsight, I wish I'd gone straight for. But because I did all my treatment through the NHS, it took forever. I'm interested to know, just at the point where your husband was told there was an issue with him, whether there was any advice given to him about anything that he could do to improve his sperm health. The only advice we were given was um, stop drinking, uh, don't smoke and take some vitamins and I, I remember going to whole whole foods and just standing in front of some vitamins I just hadn't hadn't got a clue so I just I reached for some um, Zeta West male fertility supplements and that's all we had we didn't I didn't even ch we didn't change the food we ate um didn't do anything like that it was literally reducing alcohol and caffeine so after the ICSI treatments, you were successfully pregnant, is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. But the whole process took four years. And actually, another reason why I, I really wanted to get involved in this website was when I did finally get pregnant, um, I suffered major um, OHSS, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, <laughs> to the point where... I'm laughing because it's not it's not funny, <laughs> but I um, I ended up in hospital for two weeks. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I, and it was only uh, it's only now, having done having set up the website that I've actually read, and researched, the dangers of this side effect because you you can die. One percent of women suffer it to the extreme that I did. Gosh. So let's get to IVF Babble because this is your new baby, relatively new for the pair of you. And like I try to do with the fertility podcast, you're on a mission to get the information in a in a place that's easily accessible. It looks gorgeous. I compare it to L Decoration in the way that you've made the site look. It's really kind of sassy and sexy looking and you have celebrity interviews and you're doing all sorts of brilliant things with it. And I'm just really interested to know now what you want to say to people who are listening, who, like you, have both had all sorts of different issues, why come to the site? Because as you know, as I know, when you're faced with a bumpy ride to start a family, you're on Google, you're looking everywhere, you, you're like a sponge trying to absorb everything, but you want it to be easy to consume in a way that you feel is getting you rather than patronising you. And I, and, I, and I think that that's the kind of mission that you're on, which is why I kind of honed in on what you were doing, because it, it doesn't seem patronising at all. It does seem like a friend. And I think that's what you're wanting it to be, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the first thing was the look and the design, purely because we wanted it to look like something we were used to. Because currently, when you if you type in IVF onto the internet, you're just overwhelmed with quite scary 
blue, we call them the blue websites, just words, 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 and immediately you just want to look away. So we wanted something that resembled the kind of magazines that we read on a daily basis anyway. So once you're sort of sat in front of your computer and you can see, oh, right, okay, this I can deal with. This is a manageable sized articles, attractive, and you're more likely to then absorb the information that you're reading if it's presented well exactly what Zara said like you said as well a very friendly site but it is something where you feel you can tap into and not feel oh I've, I've got fertility issues my god no one else is suffering it we just want to be able to break the mold break the taboo and just basically highlight the fact that everyone and anyone suffers this it could just be issues and why we're suffering it. It could be that we're, you know, highlighting to people, go see your doctor about this. Do you realise it could be that? That not for one second would they ever have realised, you know, that they had something or that their work behind trying to get pregnant that needed to be done. Uh, like Sarah said earlier, you come into this world and you think you get married, find your partner, or it's a single person and one day thinks, oh, I'd like to have children. It's not as easy as that for a lot of people. And it's just kind of breaking that mould and making people realise we're all together in this. This is how it is. And let's all support each other. And I think as well, from the different experiences that you both have had, like you say, it's it kind of spans off to all sorts of other questions. And I've found from the different people I've spoken to for the for my fertility podcast, there's always another question that you haven't yet asked. And interestingly, I've just had somebody approach me saying they're having another round of fertility treatment and wondering whether to put multiple embryos back in and had I done a podcast on that. And so from what you're doing as well, there's that ability to be organic, isn't there, and react to people if they're asking questions because you're creating a real community. That's what it's all about. It really is. We want a global community going on here. And we're very, very soon we'll be launching something we're incredibly excited about. We're calling it IVF Buddy. And it's exactly that. It's not just about IVF. It's about people that have um, fertility challenges. And they can connect with other people going through the same thing. It's much more than a forum, such as if they're considering donor, surrogacy, that all have endometriosis from a support group. All of those kind of things they'll be able to find on IVF Buddy, whilst also talking to someone who could be three miles up the road, where they can either meet up for a cup of coffee if they decide to go that route or actually meet or have a discussion with someone in New York or Sydney and how they go about IVF over there. You can stipulate, I am a 45-year-old woman who has endometriosis, who has had two sales and talk to someone in exactly the same situation or you can even find a mentor. There's someone that has gone through that and has had children through IVF or through fertility treatment because some people just don't want to talk to their families about it. Some people feel embarrassed and there's, I, no, I need to and there's no need to at all. Lots of people behind closed doors going through the same thing and I think sometimes it's like a pressure cooker and then it's like just a pin in a, bu- in a balloon just literally just the relief of realising that it's not just you that's going through this. It's actually an awful lot of others and one in six people worldwide that's a lot of people I think as well when you are going through fertility treatment I mean I had a best friend I could speak to but you want to almost speak to people that know what you're talking about because the people that don't and don't have any reference point it becomes all they talk to you about so by having a buddy you can choose when you talk to them about it and then you can still retain some normality with your normal friends if that's how you want to refer to them because otherwise it just becomes who you are and whilst it is who you are 
you don't necessarily want it to be that, do you? Yes, that is so true. You know, in in the end, I had friends and colleagues at work apologising to me because they were pregnant. I, I had people. I, I had one colleague in particular come up, and he said, he said, "Listen, Sarah, I wanted to talk to you first before you know before everybody starts speaking. You know, me and my wife are pregnant." And uh, <laughs> I didn't know, I just did not know how to react. I thought, God, I can't take the pity. Yeah. That's the thing, it's the sympathy. And certainly in my case, because of my age, I mean, even at 39, I was having some friends say, oh, why don't you just leave it? Why don't you adopt? What about that? Which is actually, we may still even do. We actually did, before I did the last idea, the second idea, we did actually go most of the adoption route. And we were just on the verge of it. And Ben just suddenly turned around and said, why don't we give IDF one more go? I think a lot of my friends and others looking in on the situation thought she's mad. And you used your own eggs? <laughs> from, they were frozen from earlier, were they? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, your story in itself is such a hopeful one that at 47... So how old were your eggs? Do you remember? So they must have been about five years old. Okay. Five, six years old. I haven't really thought about it like this. <laughs> I've never um, thought about it like yeah. that. It's just quite interesting when people talk about, you know, when they're using frozen embryos, that it's almost a better way if you're having to, you know, for a second child, what, what have you, once you've had fertility treatment as you've got older, because of obviously your, your egg age is so relevant. No, absolutely. And the other thing is, something that ne- no one ever really talks about is when everyone's mother has gone through the menopause. Well, I have a friend who, she, she met the person she wants to be with at 38. And, and suddenly uh, missed a couple of periods and thought, oh, I'm pregnant. And then she did the test. No, she wasn't. And then the doctor said, let's just check this out. And then did a scan and said, I think we need to check something. So she was terrified. She had something quite worrying. And then eventually, after various blood tests and another scan, told she was going through early menopause. In, in my case and in a couple of my friends' cases, my mother didn't go through the menopause until her late 50s. Yeah. And in fact, this, this particular friend of mine that I was talking to, her mother went through the menopause at 39. I had never really discussed it with her daughter. So consequently, it was exactly as we were all saying. We all thought that you just literally, when you decide to get pregnant, you're going to get pregnant and it's fine. But, you know, you really do have to look into quite a lot of things. One of the things that RGF Babel wants to do at some point is certainly educate the younger. Yeah. So, you know, maybe even at school. Yep. I think it's very important. I think there's so many people now that are living their lifestyles in a different way that are marrying later. And and just to give them an an idea to be able to make an informed choice. I think that's exactly the key. There's a lot of information on the IVF Babel site and you've just talked about IVF Buddy, which is very exciting. And for people to to, to get a full understanding of of what the site's all about, it it is a membership site. You do get to access content, a, a certain amount of content for free, but you've made a membership site to enhance that kind of community vibe, haven't you? We really have. We're bringing in quite a few things as the next sort of few weeks go on, which are really quite exciting within the membership section. I would say there's probably about 90% of the site that is available to everybody. But we do have a charge which, which finances what we're able to do within that membership section and it's really frustrating I can't say too much about what we're just about to come up with no it's a good tease it's a good tease Tracy keep people (laughs) keep people interested (laughs) (laughs) we're not going to tell you now we'll tell you later (laughs) 
it's fine. Because what we're going to do, Tracy, is we're going to give people listening to the Fertility Podcast and Sarah uh, the opportunity to have a three-month trial of the membership section of IVF Babble. So at the end of the episode, we'll give them some some details of a code to uh, to get in touch with you guys so they can have a really good look around and then hopefully find out what these exciting things that you've got coming up are going to be. Because it's a brilliant place to go and find the information. Like we've been saying, it looks lovely. And there's such a, a wealth of, I think information from your own stories and you know I'm getting involved with different stories that I can bring to the table and I think from a place to find out information when often you're so overwhelmed you just listen to what the doctors say rather than asking the questions and one thing that I've learned from my time speaking to consultants and people in the fertility world is there's never a stupid question and I always try to say to people don't be afraid to ask those questions when you sat in front of the professional because they might not have thought of that scenario like you've both you've both described yeah I so true. No, totally, totally um, agree with that. But the one thing about the membership section is that we do have experts. You can actually ask top experts, one of whom finding out or letting me know that I actually had a blocked tube and that I had endometriosis. And, and he's top of his field and incredible to be able to have access to those people who are incredibly busy, but uh, opening their arms, as it were, to, to help people. You know, you could spend anything from 150 to 250 pounds to see some of these experts sometimes who working across NHS and, and private and, and overseas and yet they're, they're there to, to offer up their time and responses as directly and factual as possible which is exactly what's needed. I mean I had a brilliant conversation with Tom Webb who is making the Easy Bit documentary about how fertility issues are a bit like a combination lock and sometimes it just takes one other doctor or one other fertility expert to, to change that combination a little bit and it will all fall into place and I thought it was a brilliant analogy because like you've just said after however many years and however many doctors somebody else went well hang on a minute let's have a look at this from a different angle and lo and behold you know you're pregnant with twins it's that real strong message of of not losing hope and keep asking keep pushing and hopefully with the information from sites like like IVF Babble. No absolutely as we said earlier we just want to be able to make people realise they're not alone Okay, well, there's such a mass of brilliant information that we've already discussed and and people can find more of it on, on the site. But I'm going to ask you both just one reason why if people are listening and thinking oh yeah another another place to find out stuff but it is different IVF babble so give me your um what do they call it your elevator pitch or your USP Tracy you can go first why should I come and have a look at IVF babble because it's everything that I felt that I needed all in one place we wanted to create something that had everything in situ which was friendly community and just what we wanted Great stuff. And Sarah? I would say it's the ultimate support hub. That's it. (laughs) Very concise. Well, Yeah, that's it, yeah. It's been really interesting hearing your journeys as well because I personally feel, not that you can't be involved in this world if you've not had fertility treatment, but I am a big believer in when you've gone through the experiences that you have and you're now doing what you're doing, as I feel I'm doing with my podcast, you do have that understanding and hopefully that translates to people that are visiting the site that you you know, you get it, you get what's going on. I'm gonna put details on the show notes and at the end of the podcast about how people can get this three month access to your membership site. But best of luck with everything with the launch of IVF Buddy 
and we will obviously be speaking again and i know that you're you're off visiting different shows around europe and we'll, we'll hear more about that so um it's been lovely chatting to you both thank you so much thank you bye bye, bye. Do go and check out IVF Babble. I'll put all the details on the show notes, which are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash babble. Now, we spoke about a three-month free membership offer for listeners of the Fertility Podcast for the IVF Babble site. So the code for you is IVFB121. Okay, so go and have a look at the site, and then when it asks you to join up and everything, you put that in as your promo code. And you can have a good look around. You can look at the members' site and see what lies there, and really get a feel for what the ladies are trying to do in the community that they're trying to build. Now, IVF Buddy that we spoke about is launching in April. This podcast going out to you mid-March 2017. So I hope this is of interest and remember if you've got any questions, anything that you'd like me to look at more topic wise or if there's an expert that you'd like me to get in touch with, just email me your thoughts, natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. It's always really great to hear from you. I hope this podcast has been of interest. I hope once again you found another useful resource to just make you realise that you are so not on your own. And until the next time, 